Alan Hardcastle works for the Brentwood Police Department. He was the training officer when I was the chaplain. Hard case, as they call him, has a habit of saying, well, that would be a clue, or can you see that? That would be a clue. Everything with Alan is a clue. The FBI, he would say, would call that a clue. He was the training officer, and that meant he worked with young professional police officers as they were coming on to the force, and he would train them how to assess a crime scene. You walk into a crime scene, you know something's happened, you don't know what has happened, and so you start looking for those pieces of evidence, those, those things that are out of place, wrongly placed, shouldn't be there kind of moments that let you know this is what happened. This is the type of crime we're looking to solve. These are the clues that tell us who might have done it. For hard case, everything is a clue. And when you stumble upon something obvious, oh, he was the first one to tell you, aha, what was your first clue? Since the first Easter Sunday morning, the greatest mystery to ever happen in human history. We've been trying to figure out what happened. But we have a few clues. Luke tells us about some of them in his gospel. Stand with me as we read the resurrection story from the gospel of Luke. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They, they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, crucified, and then rise on the third day. And they remembered Jesus' words. Remember, returning from the tomb, they reported all the things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them were telling the apostles about these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter got up, and he ran to the tomb. When he stopped and looked in, he saw only the linen clothes. So he went away amazed at what had happened. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. And he was amazed at what had happened. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. We were not there that first Easter Sunday morning. What we would give to have been a witness of the first time we realized the tomb was empty. But we are witnesses now. 
So confirm your resurrection each to us in a way that each of us need to know that we will leave this morning's celebration of worship knowing more than ever. You have indeed risen. And we pray this in your name. Amen. It had been an awful few hours. It's hard to explain the agony of Jesus' death. It's hard to explain the agony of the suffering of his friends. They had had to stand by and watch this helplessly. All of the things said about Jesus, all the things done to Jesus, and they couldn't do anything about it. Mercifully, at long last, Jesus died. His friends pulled him down from the cross, carefully wrapped his body in linen cloth, did what they could to prepare his body for burial, but they were running out of time. You see, sundown was coming, and that would have began, began the Sabbath. The beginning of the Sabbath meant that nobody could do any work, especially prepare for a funeral. So they hastily put Jesus in a tomb, borrowed from a friend, rolled the stone in front of it. The women followed behind, and took careful notes of where Jesus had been placed because they were going to come back early, early Sunday morning, and finish the last labor of love, prepare Jesus for his funeral, for his burial. That must have been a very long Sabbath day. Knowing what had happened, knowing what was left to do, and so as early as they possibly could get up, as early as they could possibly get there, the women came to finish the, the, the funeral service for Jesus, to cover the body with spices, to lovingly care for him one last time. There was discussion, according to the other Gospels, about who would roll the stone away, which one of the women would do that, how would they find help to do that. But when they got there, the first thing they saw was that the stone was in the wrong place. It had already been rolled away. Curious. They looked in, and Jesus was gone. There was no body. Now, we haven't been able to answer that question since the women came and told us his body was gone. Now, there's been all kinds of efforts to explain away. Some say, well, the women must have gone to the wrong tomb. Really? They watched Jesus be buried. They marked the place so they could get to Jesus as, as fast as they possibly could. Don't you think Peter might have thought of that? When he came and checked and saw the tomb was empty, do you think maybe Peter would have stepped back and said, wait a minute, are we sure we're at the right place? Do you think the other disciples who would eventually come to that tomb, do you think maybe they would have checked? And finally, one of them said, hey, guys, we're at the wrong place. Nobody said that. 
They knew exactly where they were. They knew exactly where they had placed Jesus. And now Jesus wasn't there. The women didn't know what to make of it. And as they were talking among themselves, two men in dazzling white clothes suddenly began to talk with them. Why are you here? Well, we're here because Jesus died, and we're here because we love him, and we're here because we didn't have time to prepare his funeral. And so we're here to do that at the last minute. It's the way that we love him. It's the way it's the only thing we can do for him now. Don't you understand? No, the men said. What we don't understand is why you're looking for the living among the dead. Why did you come to a cemetery looking for a living Savior? Don't you remember what he said? Don't you remember all of those times that he warned you that he'd be handed over to sinful men, that he would be crucified, that there was a promise and he would keep that promise to die for sinful men and women and that he would be raised on the third day. Don't you remember all of those times? Yes. They had been perplexed by what Jesus had said. They had even been angry telling Jesus that they would never let him die like that. And now it was all coming back to them, not waiting to finish the conversation. The women ran back to where the disciples were meeting. They began to try to explain to them what happened. You can imagine the conversation. The door flies open, the women run in, and they're going, Peter, Peter, John, 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 we went through the pretty stuff, and we looked and rolled, and we stood there, and the angel said, you can imagine Everybody peppering. What happened? Who'd you see? Who'd you talk to? Where were you? On and on the questions. Would, nobody could make sense of it. Nobody would believe it. It's not that they didn't believe the women. They just didn't believe. It wouldn't have mattered who had come with the story. The story was too impossible. The story was crazy. Jesus was dead. Now you're saying he's alive? People don't come back from the dead. We are separated from death in our modern culture. Uh, we sanitize death. First century, they would have known death up close and personal. Every time they held up the arm of Jesus to wrap it with linen, these women would have been reminded that Jesus is dead. Every time they wiped the blood away from the wound in the side and no blood replaced it because the heart had stopped beating, they would remember Jesus was dead. It's not that they didn't believe the women they wouldn't have believed anybody. Peter doesn't wait for the conversation to end. He runs to the tomb. He finds the tomb just like the women had said. The stones rolled away. The linen clothes that Jesus had been wrapped in 
are folded on the bench where he had been laid. And Jesus is gone. He is amazed at what happened. And notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he believed that Jesus was alive. He was confounded. He was perplexed. But he didn't yet believe. Oh, that's a different word. He didn't know what had happened for sure. In fact, Peter is in the same situation that you and I are in right now. We come to this Easter Sunday morning, and the first thing we know is the tomb of Jesus is empty. We've known that for over 2,000 years. We have torn the Middle East upside down, trying to find the original place where Jesus was buried, trying to make sure that it was in another cave, trying to find maybe another body that could have been Jesus, grabbing hold of any scrap, saying, well, this might have been a cloth that touched Jesus, or this might have been a cloth that wrapped Jesus. Every time it was proven false, We can't find his body. All of these years later, the first clue we have about the resurrection is the same clue that Peter had. The tomb is empty. You have the testimony of the women. Now, I know there are a lot of conversations about the place of women in first century Judea and, and how they were considered second-class citizens and you really couldn't, uh, well, you couldn't have a woman testify in court in some cases because their witness wasn't valid. But come on. Chapter 23 ends with the very tender story of these women trying their best to take care of Jesus. They knew Jesus. They had been with him. They were his followers. They had watched that awful moment of his death. They were there to care for him. They knew Jesus was dead. They knew Jesus was in that tomb. They knew he was gone. They knew angels had told them, do you remember what he said? Well, there are other clues. Uh, there's Peter's own testimony. In the opening chapters of Acts, Peter and John are preaching. And in the course of their preaching, they heal a man who had been born lame. You can figure, this brought all kinds of noise and gossip and talk. Who are these men? What are they doing? And of course, it brought them before the religious leaders. Peter's answer, are we here because of the good deed done to this disabled man? If we are, we want you to know that it was the power from the name of Jesus Christ that you crucified, that God raised from the dead. It is in the power of that name that this man now stands healthy before you. For there is no other name given under heaven 
by which we must be saved. The religious leaders didn't like that answer. They pressed Peter and John, threatened them, and finally Peter answers, you'll have to decide whether it is best that we believe that we fear you or we fear God. We can only tell you what we have seen and heard. We can only testify about what we know. That's a clue. They're the words of Jesus himself. Just a casual reading of the book of Luke tells us a handful of times where Jesus told them point blank, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be turned over to sinful men. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. And I promise you, I will rise on the third day. Every time Jesus says that, twice in Luke chapter 9, once in Luke chapter 18, each time Jesus says that, the next sentence is about how the disciples didn't get it, how they didn't understand. Now, now it's all making sense to them. We've got an empty tomb. We've got what Jesus said to us. We've got the witness of the women. We've got the witness of Peter himself. More than that, we've got the witnesses of all of those that Jesus met after his resurrection. The most famous, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to know, my brothers, about the message that I brought to you of first importance is the same message that I received. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and raised from the dead according to the Scriptures. That he first appeared to Cephas and then to the rest of the disciples. Then to more than 500 brothers and sisters, many of whom are still alive, although some have died. Then he appeared to James and the rest of the apostles. And last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he appeared to me. Paul never changed that story. Even when he was before Agrippa on trial for his life, Paul preaches a sermon and begs Agrippa to respond. That's a clue. It's an interesting thing about that passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, and to one wrong, born at the wrong time, he appeared to me. It's almost as if Paul in his writing left a little dot, dot, dot there. For you, and for me to add our story. And last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, Paul writes, he appeared to me. And then the rest of us would step up and say, me too. I don't know where you were when Jesus found you. I don't know what was happening in your life when you knew Easter was for real. I was seven years old. 
I was in the living room of my mother and father's house. The pastor had come over and had shared the gospel with me and asked me, did I want to follow Christ? And as much as a seven-year-old boy could, I told him yes. And since that moment, it has been the driving force of my life. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. There's one more clue. We don't have it yet. Not, not Peter and John don't have it yet. We have it because we have the whole story. You see, Jesus wasn't in the tomb. We find out later where he was. He was on the road to Emmaus walking with a couple of guys, a man named Cleopas and his traveling companion. We don't know the companion's name. We shouldn't have been surprised. It's what Jesus told us he had come to do. He had come to seek and to save those who were lost. Space and time were not going to hold him back. Death was not going to stop him. A Savior who will not give up and cannot be defeated. He is risen that's your clue. And now, as he found Paul on the Damascus Road, as he found Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus, and this road, just off Concord Road in Brentwood, Tennessee, he now finds you. You know what happened. You know how he died, and you know he's alive. You have more than enough clues to make up your mind. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Easter is your first clue. Let's pray together. With all the craziness of our world, with all the confusion in it, we beg you, dear Jesus, on this Easter, do not leave us with questions. But the confidence of knowing you're alive and you're here walking with us until we join you and all the saints finally getting home. We pray this in your name. Amen.